Amen. Last thing before we get into Judges chapter 7, you can open up your Bibles there. But as we heard that testimony from Danny Burke, and as we're dedicating babies and all the things that are happening, I'm just going to ask you guys a question. How many of you guys truly are actually excited about what God is doing right now in our community? How many of you guys are excited about it? I'm fired up at what God is doing. We recently bought property up on the hill to my left, to your right, in November, and we bought that property. We're still making some payments on that property, and we're processing now the next steps to develop that land. This last week, we submitted some permits and some applications, and we're going through all the designers and the EMPs, the electrical, mechanical, and plumbing, and all these things. And here's what we're going to do from now, August until September, October, November, into December, five months, we are going to now raise some money for the project that God is doing. Let me say it this way, though. God has already raised all the funds necessary to get us this far. We've got money in the bank, accruing interest. God has put us in a position to purchase the building, to the physical building, have it erected. But to get it finished out, we're going to need some more money. And so here's what I want to say. In front of your chairs, there is a little card that looks like this. Go ahead and grab that card for me, would you? If you're sitting in the front row, they're on the table. Everyone hold up their card for me so I can see that you have yours. Okay? Okay, I'm waiting until you're holding up the card. I'm just kidding. Anyways, check this out. Here's how this is going to work. I want everybody here at South Beach Church to do a couple biblical things. That is to believe that God is for us. He's going to use every single one of us to move the ball down the field and to advance his cause and to get the building done. So on the front, it says August. Next week, it's going to say, or September, or next month, it's going to say September. Then it's going to say October. And there's a little verse there. I want to just read that quickly. It's a verse out of the book of Exodus, and it's when they were building a house for God, a temple of worship, a place for the Lord to dwell. And it says this, whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. What a cool place to be when your heart is overflowing to the Lord. I want to serve him with my days, dollars, and deeds, my time, talent, and treasure. God has given to each one of us uniquely, but he's given to each one of us specifically to then use our lives for his glory and for others' good. Now flip that card over. I want you guys to check this out. On the top there, it says name and email. That's for you to fill out. And then the very first bubble says, I commit to pray for the ministries of SBC and worship with my tithes. Stop right there, eyes up there, up, up here. This is biblically foundational where we begin our walk with Jesus, where we join a church, where we participate. We become SBC tough, where we go there, we grow there, we pray there, we serve there, we give there. And when you are in a church, God expects you to pray for the ministries of that church and then tithe. The word tithe literally means 10%. It's 10% of your income, 10% of your first fruits. It's what God gives to you. This is throughout the scripture seen as a model of bringing our first fruits to the Lord. Now, let me just say this. I believe that this is between you and the Lord, and everybody here needs to do this, that God would pour his blessings out upon your family. The Bible says in the book of Malachi, you have robbed me. And the children of Israel said, how have we robbed you? And they said, well, you didn't bring in the tithe to the storehouses. Now, most of us in here aren't going to rob the Lord. We don't want to do that. But the Lord says, that's how I look at it. And so I just want the SBC family to say, man, I don't want to be in that condition. I want to be a biblical Christian. I'm going to do that. Let me say this. If you choose to do that, on behalf of the word of God, I promise you, Jesus said in the book of Malachi, test me in this. I promise you he'll take care of all of your needs. He will do it. If you if you test him in this, Lord, I'm going to give my tithe. I'm going to pray. I'm going to trust, and God will bring into your storehouses more than you can even contain. The Bible says it will be overflowing. Somebody say amen. I've been going here for 13 years, and I pray for the ministries of South Beach Church, and I give above the tithe. More than 10% from the Freshettes has always gone to the ministries of South Beach Church. It's just a conviction of mine because I just want to know, want the Lord to know that I'm so grateful for the increase and the abundance and the provision he's given to me. Check this out, though. 
I believe that if South Beach Church says, I'm going to do that, then in the month of August, here's where it kind of gets exciting for at least my family and hopefully yours. Look at the seven bubbles now below it. The seven bubbles below it say, in addition to that, that is the above one, in the month of August, I commit to giving. And then there's seven different options. or an other amount. Here's what I want you guys to do. Take these cards home for the whole month of August. You can bring it back next week if you want. You can do whatever you want. And ask the Lord, what is our family going to do? Lord, would you show us? I've got three kids, one wife, and I'm excited to go home and break their piggy banks. And ask them, kids, what do you want to do? Do you want to give 100 bucks extra above and beyond what we're already doing? Do you want to give 200 bucks? Lord, do you want us to give 500 bucks? Does the Frechette family going to give 1,000 bucks? Can we go into our savings account or into the jar up there that has all the coins and the, the cash money that comes in occasionally? Can we take the cans back? Can we go to the pawn shop? Can we take the credit card rewards that I have saved up on a card and cash that out and give it? Wouldn't it be awesome if every single person here at South Beach Church said, yeah, let's do it. Whoever's of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. And I believe, check this out, guys, if you do the math, if we get 100 people to give 100 bucks, okay, and if we get 75 people to give 200 bucks in the whole month, and if we get 50 people to give 500 bucks, and 15 to give 1,000, 10 to give 2,000, and five to give 3,000, that's $100,000 in one month. And then we'll do it again in September and October. It's a half a million dollars in one year towards the building project. Now, I say that to say this. How many of you guys love how expensive gas is right now? It's crazy. We're all just like, yeah, it's like five bucks a gallon, but at least we can pump it ourselves now. You know, it's like, it's so much. Everything's so expensive. Okay, I'm not trying to freak anybody out, and I choose not to freak out with the cost of building as it's going up, up, and up. Okay, I don't have the actual numbers, but this project's going to be right around $4 million plus to finish out. Okay, we have half that right now. We have $2 million that God's given to us. It's in the bank. It's dedicated explicitly to the, I just said $2 million. Can we clap for that? That is crazy. By the way, how did that happen? How in the world does a little funky warehouse on the Oregon coast start to save money? As a matter of fact, I'll just put the shout out there. The man that encouraged me and said, let's go to Oregon Coast Bank right now and let's open up an account. Let's go there and start it. You know who he was? Denny Burke. Denny Burke. And we took some money that we had in another account and we started a savings account, a money market account, and we began $30,000 is what we put into the account seven years ago and now it's at $2 million, maybe even five years ago, and the Lord has brought that money in. Here's the deal, though. I want you guys to be praying. Take this home and pray. Lord, what, what can I do? I want to do this. I want to be part of it. Let me, before I waste too much time or spend too much time, I should say on this, say, for the Frechette family, this is exciting because we pray and we tithe and we serve, but we actually haven't given above and beyond any of that to the building fundraiser. We just haven't done it because no one's asked us to. No one's made it clear in the target what we're aiming for. So now I'm hoping to bring clarity to the rest of the body and say, yeah, let's all give. Let's all pick up the rope and let's pull the rope across and let's win the battle of raising the money to move forward. I again invite you guys to drive up to the property anytime you want. Drive up there, pray, sit in the chairs, use the porta potty. It's all up there for you. And guys, let's just pray and ask God to bless the fundraiser and see what he's going to do in the month of August. Do you guys think we can raise $100,000 in the month of August extra? I think we can do it. I honestly, like, it's crazy. And I just want to say one thing. I, I couldn't sleep the other night, maybe three weeks ago, and the Lord put this idea in my mind. I said, Luke, do this. And I woke up and I just kind of drafted it out, and I believe it's from the Lord, and I hope you believe it's from the Lord as well. So let's pray it in. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would, Lord, honor us as we honor you. Lord, we would honor you with our time, talent, and treasure, our finances. 
that we would pray for the ministries of South Beach Church. Maybe you haven't been praying. Lord, remind us to pray for the battles that are happening right now. And Lord, would you bless us to have faith to give the tithe, to say, Lord, you gave me everything I have, and I'm gonna honor you and worship you, and I want there to be a blessing between us, and I'm gonna bring my offerings to the storehouse. And then what do you wanna do in August in our families? How do you want us to move forward by faith as an offering to you? Would you soften our hearts and use, Lord, us? And Lord, we pray all these prayers from a foundation of full provision, full miracles. You have provided for us individually and collectively as a church. We thank you. And may you now, Lord, build us, Lord, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, that our light would so shine before men that they would see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. We need you, Lord. Guide us, give us wisdom, protection, and direction. Use us, we pray. And even now as we open up your word, may wisdom be ours from above, and may you renew our hearts and minds as we, Lord, look into the things of God. Thank you for all you've done. Do more, we pray now, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Take your Bibles and open up to Judges 7. And as you guys know, the entire story of Judges is a series of failures in God's forgiveness. That as we find ourselves walking in life, we are bound to get out of bounds. We're bound to lose focus. We're bound to get in places we shouldn't go. But God be praised. He won't let you sin successfully. Amen? He won't let you get away with it. He's the good shepherd. He leads the 99 and he rescues the one who's floundering and who's being flagrant in their faith. And we see this time and time again. And so God raises up a series of judges. He raised up Othniel and he raised up Ehud and he raised up Barak and he raised up Deborah and he raised up Shamgar. He only got one verse. And now we're studying the life of Gideon. And Gideon, God took as a man who was hiding and who was unable, unavailable, and God spoke something into his life. He said, almighty man of valor, you're going to be used to deliver Israel. And Gideon had bagel crust in his beard. He's like, are you talking to me, you know? And isn't it awesome that God sees you not as you are, but he sees you in your potential in Christ? I dare you to look at the other people around you, not as they are, but as potential in Christ. What would that woman, what would that man be like if they gave everything to the Lord? Do I believe that God is working in every man and every woman? If you believe that about yourself and others, you're going to look at them differently. You're going to smile not with criticisms and condescension, but with empathy and hope. And you're going to fan the flame in the lives of the men and women around you if you believe that God is for them, that God won't let them sin successfully, but instead he has a plan for them. And if you're tracking with our study of Gideon, you know that once we see the Lord, our eyes are opened up just like Gideon's were, and he was born again. He was saved. But as soon as he got saved, God began to sanctify him. Hey, go tear down that stuff in your dad's house. Go build altars to the Lord. Lead the people. Do, do the next right thing, Gideon. This is how it works. And when you're saved, praise God, he begins to sanctify you. As a matter of fact, that sanctification process is the rest of your life. Husbands and wives who've been married for over a year, you know this. Husbands and wives who've been married for over 10 years, you know this. You, you're sanctified. Husbands and wives have been married for over 30 years. You're still being sanctified, amen? Man, there's still things to be worked out of you. Saved, sanctified, but then your faith is also being strengthened. You see, God's gonna sanctify you, but he's also gonna take your faith, the faith that you have, the faith that you're walking in right now, and he's gonna do two things. He's gonna test it to make it stronger, and he's gonna test it to make it more pure. He wants the faith that you have to be stronger for the endurance that's necessary for the battles ahead. But he also wants the faith that you have, listen, this is very important, 
to be purified through testing and trials, lest your faith be placed in the wrong things. We hear the word faith all the time in Christianity, and I have faith, and you need more faith, we just need more faith. Well, it kind of depends on where your faith is at. If your faith is in faith, you misplaced it. If your faith is in your own righteousness, I just got to be more righteous. If I do, you missed it. If your faith is in someone else or something else, your faith that God wants to purify and get those other things out of it needs to be only wholly placed in and focused on Jesus Christ and what he's going to do in your life. So we need to confess something right at the very beginning of this service. All of our faith needs to be strengthened. My faith's not strong enough. That's what God's doing. He's strengthened. Why is this happening? Why is this going on? Oh, he's probably strengthening your faith. Oh, that makes sense. Additionally, he's probably purifying your faith. There's things within your faith that the Lord says, hey, I'm going to test that because you're kind of misplacing it in religion or in self-righteousness or in agendas or other things that only God can reveal to you. Let me just give you a couple of verses to tuck away by way of faith. The first one is 1 Peter chapter 1. And it says this. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. Why? That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter, who'd been through many trials, wrote to a church that was separated, that had been dispersed through persecution. He said, hey guys, don't be surprised at the various trials that is grieving you. That word grieving literally means you're just saddened. You're disappointed, you're offended. You can take all those things. If you're sad, if you're offended, if you're overwhelmed, Peter says, don't don't be surprised. But instead, your faith right now is being tested that it might be found to praise honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's another verse I want you guys to tuck away. Hebrews 11, 6. I read this right before I started preaching today. Just open it up and just read it to myself. I'll read it to you. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What? I mean, that's a crazy verse right there. Peter says, what's going on in your life? Well, your faith's being tested. It's being purified. It's being strengthened. What does the writer of the Hebrews say? If you don't have faith, you can't please God. But I'm doing good things. No, no. But I'm a good person. No, no. But I'm going good places. No, no. The only thing that's pleasing the Lord is your faith in him. And so if God's testing you, it's because he wants you to be pleasing to him. If there's difficulties going on in your life, it's the sanctification, it's the testing. I want to just slow down for just a second and settle into that. How's your faith right now? Let me ask it differently. How is your faith in tandem, in tandem, connected to the situation and the issues of your life that you're dealing with right now? How's it going? In your health, in your relationships, your finances, the trials and the struggles, the, the grievous things in your life? Oh, you wake up every morning, open your eyes. Oh, no, we're still here, you know. Damage report. And, you know, you start panicking and freaking out. I'm going to ask you the question again. How's your faith in tandem to the real issues that are going on in your life? I got some real issues in my life right now, some real stuff. Mountains, giants. And God wants to raise me up to be a mountain climber and a giant slayer. And he wants our church to have faith that conquers the things that are in front of us. We just want the Lord to remove some of these things from time to time. Lord, just get rid of this thing. Take care of that issue. And the Lord says, no, no. I'm not going to fix your issue because I put the fix in your life in order that the fix would fix what I want to fix in you. And if you just fix the fix that I said to fix the fix, you're going to have to get another fix to fix the fix that I meant to fix the fix in your life. 
And God says, no, I'm not going to take that out of your life, but instead I want to use it in your life. What if you looked at your giants and your mountains in a different way? Here's how God did it for Gideon. Gideon had 32,000 men against 135,000 men. The ratio is four to one. God said, that's too many. So he reduced them down to 10,000. Now it's 13 to one. God said, that's too many. And finally, he reduced it down to 300 men against 135,000 men. Now it was 450 to one. Less than 1% of his original wealth and resources. And God says, that's perfect. Let's go with that. And Gideon's like, "Eh, you know what about the enemy? And he had to rely on his faith. God was purifying and testing his faith. Again, I want to just pause so you can think about your own life. How's your marriage? How's your relationships? How's your house? Maybe, you're, maybe you don't have a house. You're trying to buy one. It's just so tough. The market's so tough. Maybe you're trying to work it out with the people around you. There's just friction all over. There's just so many tests. Lord, why is it like this? And the Lord looks at you and says, you, you think that's a mistake? You think I don't know? I did that because I want to do two things in your faith. I want it stronger, and I want to purify it. And when you settle in like Gideon, and Gideon got one sign, two sign, three sign, four sign, five confirmations, half a dozen confirmations the Lord gave to him because God is gracious to us when we're going through tests, and we don't want to blow it, but Jesus wants our faith to be focused completely on him. And I would just say that your current trial right now isn't really about your current trial, but your current trial right now, as real as it is, is about your faith. God is strengthening you in the things that are going on. Did you know that faith, I heard this quote the other day, faith enables you to see the impossible, or see the invisible and to do the impossible. Have you ever been around a man of faith before? And they're crazy. You ever been around a woman that has so much faith, you're like, dude, I feel a little uncomfortable, you know, like... Because men and women who have faith, they can see the invisible and they're prepared to do the impossible. And it'll cause you and cost you and and force you to have faith as well to be with men and women like that. Gideon here gets his 300 guys. He's like, all right, guys, you ready? They're like, I don't know if this is a good idea, bro. And yet God had confirmed it so many times in Gideon's heart that these men had no choice but to say, look, we're going to borrow some of your faith. And our faith's going to be purified and our roots are going to go down and our fruits are going to come up. And I would just say that your faith right now is being tested. It's also been said before that if your faith can't be tested, it can't be trusted. And if you've ever been around a man or woman who has lots of faith, chances are they've been tested a time or two. They've lost some things, some resources, some strength has been taken away from them. Their numbers have dwindled. And God has stood by them and said, are you ready to walk through these waters? Are you ready to walk through this fire? And the world around us right now needs to see and gets to see your faith on display. God's going to use Gideon in a powerful way. And it's crazy how I think everything's a test, isn't it? You guys realize that? Sometimes I know I'm being tested and I act a little differently. It's like when cops drive right behind you, you're like, I better drive the right way, you know? Just me? Anyways, everything's a test. How many of you guys think that the 10,000 guys that went to drink water that day knew they were being tested? i just shake your head. They didn't know they were being tested. Hey, guys, get some water. Gideon's watching. He's counting. One. A couple hours go by, two, you know, another old guy can't bend down, you know. The, finally, there's 300 old guys on the left. He's like, are you for real? These are the Walmart greeters. This is bad. This is bad. This isn't what I would do. Did I say that? I mean, anyways, this is, uh, and he's got 300 guys. Listen, I, I would say this. In God's economy, there's no off days or on days. Everything's a test. Every single thing you're going through right now is a test. 
I was reading Psalm 11 years and years ago, and I was going through really tough times, and, and the Lord spoke to me in Psalm 11. You can read it later, and the Bible says that God sees the men, the sons of God from heaven, and he tests them. And it just dawned on me. It's like, oh, just, this is a test? Oh, I'm going to handle it differently in the way that I'm bearing these burdens and these issues. I heard a quote recently that says, make every occasion a great occasion, for you can never tell when someone may be taking your measure for a greater place. Everything you're doing right now is an opportunity to do the best, do the next right thing, as under the Lord. They didn't know the way they were drinking the water was being a test for them, but everything we go through is a test because God wants our faith to grow. He wants it to be pure. Let me just give you a little handhold because some of you are probably wondering, what do I do then? Do I do the next right thing? How can I strengthen my faith? How can I increase my faith? Let me give you uh, one verse. It's in Romans chapter 10, and it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Most of you know this verse. If you want your faith to be strengthened and purified, get into God's word. This is the fuel of our faith. To become a man of faith or a woman of faith, you've got to know God's word. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And your faith will grow every single day because God's word, it says in 1 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants us to be a faith group. Now check this out. Speaking of God's word, Romans 10, 17 is what I just read to you. Look at verse nine. I want you guys to see this. This is kind of what we covered last week and we've got some more ground. We're gonna finish the chapter today. It says, it happened in the same night that the Lord said to him, arise, go down against the camp. What's it say? For I have delivered it into your hands. Stop right there, eyes up here. So cool. That's a clear word from God, isn't it? Arise and get up. I've given you the victory. Enough said, right? Look at verse 10. But if you're afraid, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant. And you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Stop right there, eyes up here. Don't you love the tender nature of our God? He gives a clear word to Gideon. Go, arise, I've given you the land. And it's as if Gideon still has this weird look in his eyes, and God's like, you're still scared, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I'm scared. So the Lord says, okay. I got you. I know I gave you the wet fleece and the dry fleece and the fire out of the rock and the call in the wine press and the favor with the people. I, I, know, I know I've given you a lot of stuff here, but you're still scared. And so God says, here's what I want you to do. Take your buddy Purah, climb down there into the camp of the Midianites, listen to a dream that I'm gonna give to a man there of a barley loaf that rolls down the mountain and hits a tent and turns it upside down. Now, a barley loaf would have been the cheapest of all breads. It would have been like the poor man's bread, like the bread that just kind of gets thrown away which is indicative of who Gideon was in his own eyes. I'm just the worst of the worst of the worst. And Lord said, I know. You know what I'm gonna do with you? I'm gonna change the world. I'm gonna turn the whole world upside down. And God gave him this confirmation. And I say that to say this. If you are lacking in faith today or ever, if when your faith is being tested for strength or purified for God's use, if you find yourself weak and questioning, did you know that God is empathetic and long-suffering and patient toward you? He's not gonna cast you away. Oh, she's asking more questions. Ah, oh, she's got more issues. Oh, he's got more troubles. I'm so thankful that the Lord is empathetic and patient with Gideon as he is with each and every one of us here today. And here's my challenge. Receive that for yourself. You better, but also extend that to other people. How many guys get tired of people every once in a while? Raise your hand if you get tired of people. Okay, most of you, the rest of you just lied about us. Okay. My pastor, Andy Green, used to say, ministry would be awesome if it wasn't for all the people. And everyone would laugh, ha, 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 well, what do you say? You know, and ha, 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 you know. And people, man, people can get, 
it gets difficult. People have issues. People all over the place, there's people. And yet the Lord says, you know what I give people? Empathy, compassion, grace, mercy, kindness, long-suffering. That's what God gives to people. He gives it to me and he gives it to others. And what I believe the Lord would be honored in in our church with other people who are struggling right now in their faith, who are doing things they ought not to do, who are coming up short, who are acting out, God would be blessed if you and I were more empathetic and more compassionate, just as he's been to me. And yet the tendency is, is to give people warnings and one strikes and two strikes, and then we bring in some sort of unrighteous accountability. Now, I'm trying to speak all this in the context of what God has given to Gideon. He's given him so many options, so many tries, and Gideon's still scared. He's like, I know you're scared. I'll give you one more. And I receive from that great kindness from the Lord that he loves us, and he wants us to love others exactly the same. Look at verse 11. It says, and your servant, uh, they shall hear you and say afterward, your hand shall be strengthened. Go down against the camp. And he went down to prayer with his servant to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp and the Midianites and the Malachites and all of the east where they're numerous as locusts. Stop right there, eyes up here. You guys know the dream was given to them. And all of a sudden, Gideon receives this understanding that not only is God for him, listen, but he knows the enemy knows that their days are numbered. I need to just point this out and move right on. We who are here today know God's word, that he's for us, not against us. Amen? Amen. Did you know that the enemy of your souls also knows that God is for you and not against you? you? Did you know that the enemy of your souls also knows, just like these Midianites, that they're going to lose? Do you know that? Because occasionally we find ourselves hemming and hawing and squirming and crying because we don't know if the battle's really going to go our favor. And you need to have, and I get to have the confidence that even the enemy knows that his days are numbered, that I am going to win. There's this portion of scripture in the book of Acts where Paul is in modern day Turkey and modern day Rome and Greece and these areas. And these demons are possessing a certain guy and the guy begins to then fight with these other people. And the demons literally say this, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you to these guys that were kind of imposters? It's an interesting story where these demons say, yeah, we know the apostle Paul. We're afraid of that guy. Soon as the alarm clock goes off and he wakes up, we freak out. And did you know that the enemy knows who you are, but he also knows that you are victorious in all the things that God's called you to. This will change the way that you navigate. Listen, through the tests you're going through right now. I'm being tested, you're being tested. And the proclivity is for each one of us to look at our testing and the things around us and to cry and to give up and to whine and to moan and to complain and to blame others and to bog down in that very test that God wants to do something in our lives. What's God doing for Gideon? He's like, guys, I'm gonna give give you as much courage as I can. Listen, listen, because after God tests your faith and purifies your faith, he's gonna give you a new mantle of leadership. He's gonna give you new gifts, new skill sets, new courage, new favor. He's gonna make you into a new man or a new woman. Anybody wanna be a new man or a new woman today? Anybody? Okay, half of you guys, the rest of you, we got you, we got you, we'll cover you. Here's what it says. Let's keep reading and see what God does next after he gives him this faith. Look at verse 15. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshiped and he returned to the camp of Israel and said, arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Stop right there, eyes up here. I mentioned this at the beginning of the service that as soon as Gideon knew what God was doing in his life, he became a worshiper. This is so important, especially for those of you who are called on mission right now, those who know the Lord are hearing his voice and are living for his glory and for others' good, that you pause to worship all the time. Lest in your confidence, lest in your clarity, which Gideon just now got, lest in your call that God's given to you, you become brash, you become brutal, 
or you become prideful. And when we find ourselves bowing at the presence of the Lord and worshiping him and taking communion and serving and fellowshipping in these ways, even though we've got clarity, have you ever met a Christian or a person who's so confident that they come across as prideful? Has this ever happened to you? Man, that happens all the time. And what undoes our pride is when we come into the presence of the Lord, bow down with him, and pause. Jacob did this. His dad, Isaac, did this. His dad, Abraham, did this. Moses did this. David did this. Jesus did this. Men and women of God were called to be warriors, ETWs, end-time warriors. And one of our greatest attributes is worship, humility, waiting in God's presence. Because when we're waiting in God's presence, he gives us then the next right thing to do, the revelation that we need to move forward. So as much as I'm excited about what God's doing in our lives, he wants to continue to do it in our lives that he might do it for our lives. Now, that's all kind of run up, and we have 26 minutes. Mm, I do math wrong, 16 minutes, to get the rest of this portion underneath our belts. I want you guys to zoom in because we've been studying Gideon. He's been a mess all over the place, hiding out, bagels on his face, complaining, cried, scared, and wondering. But now he's been tested, and he's going to rise up from this time of worship. Listen, a completely new man. And God's going to give him five things that are brand new. Write these down on the notes in front of you. Write them down on your August pledge card. You're going to take that home and pray about it. But five new things you can expect also if and when God is done testing you. Look at verse 16. It says, then he divided the 300 men into three companies. And he put a trumpet into each man's hand with pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch. And when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. And then I blow the trumpet and all who are with me. Then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And so Gideon and the 100 men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch and they had just posted the watch and they blew their trumpet and broke the pitchers and they were there with their hand standing in their hands and then the 300 companies with the trumpets they broke their pitchers and they held their torches in their hands and then their trumpets their right hands for blowing and they cried the sword of the lord and of gideon and every man stood in his place all around the camp listen and the whole army ran and cried and fled stop right there eyes up here this is crazy this is cuckoo for cocoa puffs Many times throughout history, nations will study other nations' victories in war to see strategies and structures and ways to come about victoriously. Whenever nations have studied Israel's victories in battles, they always study them a little bit. Then they say, this is not worth studying. There's nothing strategically sound here. There's nothing good here. There's nothing good that we can use here except the fact that they trusted in the Lord. Amen? And they've studied the Six-Day War and the Yom Kippur War and all these wars that make no sense. Like, man, that was a crazy war. We better study it. I'm kidding you not. They look into it only to realize, oh, there's no explanation here. And let me give you the explanation. You see, Gideon now is a man after God's own heart. His faith, like a washing machine, has been tested and it's been found pure. And God now is giving him divine revelation. And he rises up and says, okay, guys, I got a crazy idea. You guys, grab a flashlight, put it in a jar, and grab a horn, and we're going to go yell at the army. I know there's only like 300 of us and 135,000, but isn't that going to be fun? And all the Walmart greeters are like, what? We're going to die. Let me just tell you 
the things that God's given to him. Number one, he gets a new gifting, just a new gifting for leadership. This is the same Gideon who was by himself, afraid, hiding out, solo ranger. And God now, after testing him, gives him new giftings to be a new leader and a new person to follow. And I want to encourage you, men and women. I remember when God began to call me as a young person, I was afraid. I didn't want to be in the limelight. I didn't want anybody to listen to me or even know that I existed. And I had all these fears and all these issues until the Lord began to test my faith. And through a series of unfortunate events, I came out the other side and God says, I'm going to give you new giftings in the leadership that I called you to. Every single one of us are called to lead somebody. Every single one of us are called to influence somebody. Every single one of us here are doubting our call, not wanting to cooperate with what the Lord has because it's easier just to hang back and not put yourself out in this way. But he has brand new giftings. You can write that down as God tests your faith that he's gonna equip you and he's gonna lead you into deeper waters because he wants to do a radical work in you like he did for Gideon. Not only is he gonna give you new giftings, but he's gonna give you new wisdom. All of a sudden, Gideon has this idea. He's like, I, guys, I know we only have, only have 300. Well, how can this even work? Maybe if each one of us kill 450 guys, and he starts thinking it through. Okay, 450 guys. I don't think that's going to work. That's not wise. The Bible says that if you need wisdom, James chapter 1, verse 5, ask it, and he'll give it to you. Solomon one time was leading people too great for him, and he was too young, so he said, Lord, give me wisdom, and God gave him wisdom. Jesus said that if you ask from the Father, the Holy Spirit, he'll give him to you. And here's what's going to happen for you and for me, just like Solomon and James and just like Jesus, is that when you're tested, God's going to give you unique and divine wisdom for your marriage and your ministries, for your singleness and for your trials. Let's just be honest. If you're writing this down, this doesn't make any sense, but this is exactly what God told him to do. And when God tells you to do it, that's all the sense you need. Amen? If God said it, I believe it. There's so much in the scriptures that don't make sense, except God says, I said it. Would you test me? Oh, Jesus, that's you walking on the water. If it's you, bid me to come out on the water with you. That'll make no dang sense. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Come on out. And he walks on water. Because if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Now, here's the thing. We actually don't know when he got this divine revelation. 300 guys, torches in the pots, break the pots, blow. We don't know where that came from. I'm going to tell you where it came from. It came from quiet time, worshiping the Lord in his closet with Jesus. Psalm 37, 4. Hopefully you at least have it memorized in a paraphrased way. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll tell you what to do. You're going to feel the Lord move upon your life. Hey, do this. Go there. Give this away. Buy that. Go talk to that person. Has this ever happened to you on a micro level where you're in the store, you walk by somebody and you feel the Lord saying, go pray for that person. Well, I don't know. Make no sense. I don't know that person. And yet you find yourself, I'm not going to do it. So you walk down the cereal aisle and oh, there they are again. Shoot. And so you go over here. I'm going to go get some glue in the hardware section. All of a sudden they're in the paints. Ah, you know, this has happened to me more than once. And I would just say, let the Lord guide you and lead you. New wisdom. Listen, not earthly wisdom, but wisdom from above. Is it? I hope this is happening in your life where you sense God leading you and guiding. This is happening here at South Beach Church, by the way. As we're drawing near to the Lord, he's saying, pursue this, go there, step out in faith in this area. And men and women are rising up by the hundreds saying, okay, if God's, let's do it. Let's see what he does. Let's, because the things that God calls us to must be done in such a way where the glory has to be reflected and deflected off of us up to him. Gideon can't take the credit for this. This is a bad idea. And yet if you seek first the kingdom of heaven, Matthew chapter 6, and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. 
If you look into the things of God, he's going to show you what to do. Proverbs chapter 4 says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. Do you do this? This is what God wants to do. And if your faith has been tested, you have two things going for you. Number one, you have new giftings and new wisdom, but also jump down to verse 19 and 20. You have new courage. This would have been courageous. This would have taken some effort for Gideon to do this. Look at verse 18, actually. Verse 18, it says, when I blow the trumpet and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Now, when I listen to other people teach this, sometimes they'll say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they kind of minimize Gideon's part here because it's not about Gideon, and I get it. I'm not sure if they just kind of lowered their voice when they said, and Gideon. I think they yelled, and Gideon, you know. Because did you know that the Lord won't do it without you? just as much as you can't do it without him. You figured this out? Without him, I can't. It's not even, not even gonna work. Your marriage won't work, your ministry won't work, your business won't work, your challenge won't work. Without him, I can't, but without you, he won't. And God wants to partner with his sons and with his daughters, and he wants to use you in this way, and he's going to give you courage. This would not have been easy. Look at verse 19. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posed at the watch. Guys, paint the picture. They're switching out the watch. You got a brand new set of fresh blood. They're on the night watch looking, and Gideon's like, wait, wait, wait. Wait till the new guys are here. Okay, ready? Ready? Do it now. And they start screaming, yelling, like, this takes courage. I would have been so scared. I would have waited until the end of the watch when everyone's tired and nodding off and more confused. Listen, are you courageous? Has your faith been tested in such a way where the impurities have been cooked away, where the purification of your faith, the point of your faith, the roots of your faith, has your faith been tested in such a way? That's what's happening in your life right now because God wants every son, every daughter, every man, every woman to be courageous in their faith right now. And your faith won't be courageous unless you go through a test or two, unless you find yourself only being able to trust in the Lord. Gideon has no other choice. He's got this wisdom plan given to him, and now he must stand in the gap, and this is how God is going to be honored. This is how God is going to use him. How? As he simply does the next right thing. Again, stop right there, eyes up here. Blow the trumpet, break the pot, shine the light, and everyone's going to freak out, and we win. Uh, I got questions, Gideon. I got a couple questions. You mean we do all that and we're just going to win? That's what the Lord showed me. <laughs> do we have insurance? You know, what's going on here? Like, this isn't going to, this is crazy. And as the Lord tests you and calls you out and asks you to simply do the next right thing, I promise you, the favor of God, the courage of God, the giftings of God, the wisdom of God. As a matter of fact, let's talk about the favor of God. Look at verse 21. When they did what they were asked to do, every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried and fled. Stop right there, eyes up here. This is crazy. Every step is being led by obedience, by God's guidance, and they're answering the call, and they're doing what God's asked them to do. And when they blow the shofar horn, and when they crack the pots and the lights come on, there's 300 men. In these days, every single light and every single trumpet in those days usually would represent a thousand men. And so the people down below, the Midianites thought when they saw 300 lights, 300 horns, that each one of those lights and horns represented a thousand men. They thought they were surrounded by 300,000 Israelites. And so they got scared. They ran and they fled. I'll just say it this way. There's no way to explain what happened. There's no way to take the credit. 
because it's God's favor on Gideon's life. God's favor, God's grace, unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. Unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor of God upon his people. When you realize this and you get to a point in your life where God's doing things in your life and you can say, this isn't me. This is unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor. As a matter of fact, I want you guys to to pray this into your own life. Lord, would you favor me? Would you give me what I don't deserve? Would you give me what I could never earn? Would you give me what I could, what only will work in the situation of my life? I need your favor. I heard one person put it this way in ministry settings. He said, if you can explain it, then God didn't do it. You, you did it. You were smart. You, you did it. You made it all work out. But if you sit back and say, I don't know what to I can't explain it. We blew the horn. We, we, we did. We, he told us to go here, and we did. And I'm not trying to teach this out of context, but 13 years ago, God told my wife and I to move to Newport. So we just did it. He didn't tell us what he was going to do. He didn't tell us what he had in store, but it was so clear in our musing and our meditation. Lord, what do you want to do with our lives? Go to Newport. So we did. And here we are, and as I look around, there's no explanation for what God is doing except the favor of God in Lincoln County, the favor of God upon his sons and daughters, amen? This is what he's doing. And I pray in Jesus' name that the wisdom and the giftings and the courage and the favor would continue. Not just that, but let's finish the chapter. We got time, we got time. It says, when the trumpets blew, verse 22, the Lord said, every man's sword against the companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Acacia towards Zaria. That's my daughter's name, by the way, Acacia. As far as the border of Abel, Mahola. That's my dog's name is Mahola. Uh, just kidding. And Tabith. And the men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh and pursued the Midianites. Then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim saying, come down against the Midianites and seize from them the watering places as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. They gathered together and seized the watering places as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. Stop right there. The fifth thing that God added to Gideon's life. First, he gave him new giftings. When his faith was tested, he found himself just being different. Then he had new courage. And he had new wisdom. He had new favor. You know what he had lastly? New people. God, he had 300 to start with. Did you know you can't actually win the battle with 300? You actually need more. This is how it started. 300 faithful men blew the trumpet. And all of a sudden, Gideon puts the call out to the men of Naphtali and Zebulun and Asher and Manasseh, all these people. And everyone gathers together. The Ephraimites, we'll see them in the next chapter. They have a bad day coming ahead of them. The Ephraimites, they show up and they get involved. And you should expect nothing less than that as well because Jesus is building his church. He's building his community right now. There should be more men and women getting excited in your life as your faith is purified, as God can trust you with the faith that he's given to you, as you simply do the next right thing. God's gonna continue to add. I'm gonna have Pastor Tobias. He's gonna come up here, lead us in a psalm because I want us to respond to Jesus and do a work in our lives and take our faith as it is, but purify it and test it. But I need you guys to see the last two verses. Look at verse 25. It says, and they captured two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. And they pursued Midian, and they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. Man, these guys get together, and they put their heads together a little bit. That's funny. Zeb and Oreb, they come together, and they get Zeb and Oreb. Now, who's he talking about? I need you to focus in on this. This is not the 300. This is not Gideon. This is the Ephraimites. This is the people of Israel. And they're now partnering with Gideon. And they have a greater victory. All of a sudden, the whole entire community of Israel is being delivered. 
The whole entire people group get involved. This is the heart of our Savior. Here we are. We're in Lincoln County, South Beach Church. So cool, so fun. And all of this started 7,000 miles away in Israel. 7,000 miles away, our Savior was put upon a cross. 7,000 miles in a middle eastern little town, a little region. Boy from Nazareth, born in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ. And as he took upon himself the sins of the world, he looked upon his accusers and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. And when Jesus died and he rose from the dead, he went and found his disciples and he assembled them. Come on, we got stuff to do. We got stuff to do. And for 40 days, he walked with them. And when he ascended on that 40th day, he blew and gave him his spirit. He said, you're going to receive power. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea. You're gonna, it's going to go. It's going to go beyond these borders. I got a plan. And for 2,000 years now, men and women have been letting God purify their faith, test their faith. Right now, your issue is not about your issue. It's not about that person, not about these things. Even the children of Israel, the disciples on that day said, are you going to now fix everything horizontally? Are you going to restore Israel to her glory? And Jesus looked at him and said, what? No. That's, no. Why are you so this way? It's this way. And he began to empower them and inspire them. And he began to use them and send them. And God began to do mighty things. Isn't it interesting that Zeb and Oreb were killed? One was killed on a rock and one was killed under a wine press. Reminds me of Gideon when he first got called. When he first got called, God, God found him in a wine press. He was hiding out. He was just a baby. He didn't know what was going on. He had all kinds of complaints. He had a whole bunch of stuff he was mad about. He's mad about the people. I'm mad about God. He had all these things. And the Lord said, hey, let's go eat. Let's go eat on that rock. Put the, put the sacrifice there. And God touched it with the staff. Fire came up out of the rock. And this amazing miracle began to happen as God began to soften Gideon's heart and, and take Gideon's life and change him. And he wants to change you. And the amazing thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ today is you don't have to stay the way you are right now. You don't have to stay the way you are. You who are believers, you don't have to stay this way. You can mature. You can grow. You can let go of your bygones. You can let go of your grievances. You can let go of your sadnesses. You can let go of your things right now and do the next right thing. In Jesus' name, you can do this. And God calls us to trust him and to believe in him. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up with me if you would. And we're just going to respond by singing. We're going to ask the Lord to just minister to us. We're just going to let him minister to us today. We're not making promises. We're not going, we're not charging the gates. And I just want to make this available to you. If you need extra healing today, if you need extra faith, you've been going through it, you've been coming up short, or maybe you're excited. You're like, I want my faith to be pure and I want my faith to be strong. I want, Lord, what you want for me. And if you just sense that you need more, would you just get out of your chair and come down to the altar right now? You don't, there's no, no necessary reason. You just said, I just, I just want more, Lord. I don't want to mess around. I'm being battle tested. Things are hard for me. And I need your mercy in my life. And I need your touch in my life. Lord, I need to meet you at the rock. Lord, you found me in the wine press. And now I need you to do something in me. I feel like I'm being pressed on all edges. I'm going to come down and pray for people as well. As we ask the Lord to move over us. And take all these things into consideration. Do the next right thing. Hey, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know what the next right thing is. You're like, why does he keep saying that? I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. And maybe you want to be like Gideon who spent time with the Lord. And as soon as he came out of that worship setting, he said, I got an idea. Let's get some torches. It's crazy. Guys, this is what the Lord showed me. I don't know. He just showed me what to do. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know what to do, but you're going to do whatever God tells you. You'll do it. 
You'll do it in your marriage. You'll do it for that relationship. You'll do it. You'll wash feet. You'll serve. You'll forgive. You'll give yourself over to whatever he wants. Would you just come forward if you're stumped right now? Or maybe you do know what the next right thing is. But you don't have the strength. You're too hurt. You're too hurt. You're too scared. You just, you, you know, the, you just, you're too aware of your own inadequacies. And the Lord says, I see you. I know the fear. And you're like, no. Come to me. And Lord, would you and just come right now if that's you. Anything you need, just come from, to the Lord, to his altar right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, as we sing this song, we just invite you here, Lord. Meet us, Lord. Meet us in the sanctuary. Lord, meet us in the ordinary. Lord, meet us in all the battles. Meet us in all that we're going through right now. As we sing this song, Lord, just pour, out, pour yourself out on South Beach Church. Heal marriages and relationships. In Jesus' name, fight for us, Lord. The Midianites are real. We're outnumbered. You know it. You're like, I know. I know. I'm doing something. Put your eyes on me, Gideon. And did you know that as the Lord breaks you, the light comes out? There's no other way. Maybe right now the Lord's saying, you know, I love you so much, I just got to break you. It's, it's just, it's what we do. It's what we do. And as you're broken, the light will shine. The enemy will flee. And the victory will be yours. Lord, be honored in what we do. Prayer people, could you come forward to and just pray? Just be in the spirit of prayer. Pastors, let's sing to the Lord.